Peace of Mind with Ken Pope. As a parent of a child with a disability or special needs, you need to navigate the complex legal issues of providing continued care and quality of life for your child. You need Peace of Mind with Ken Pope. This is Ken Pope, and this is the Peace of Mind radio show. Hope you enjoy it. The discussion today is dealing with um, COVID, of course, and uh, remote signing and remote affidavits and <clears throat> remote filing of documents and capacity assessments. Uh, my associate, uh, Diane Verano, will be speaking about those topics primarily, and I'll be discussing that what's hot in the family law news, <clears throat> and that is that all of the people that have been confined together and in the case of families that have kids with special needs, couldn't even have the uh, the respite caregivers come in to help them. And, of course, the resulting family breakups that we're seeing. Um, the purpose of the this show is to pro- try to provide a certain amount of peace of mind to the 365,000 families in Ontario, the one family in 10 that has a child with special needs or disabilities. Um, there are a, a variety of things, issues that need to be dealt with. Um, our law firm deals with, I think, 13 different things that uh, happen or need to be addressed for families as they go through the life cycle, the life, like arc of life, uh, starting from when the child's young until the parents pass on and uh, the Henson Trust arrangements are set up and so on. Uh, but um, it's always very unfortunate, of course, when any family splits up um, there's no happiness in it. It's a thankless kind of practice. I, I think it must take a special kind of, of lawyer to, to deal with the um, unhappiness and dissatisfaction of clients on a constant basis. <clears throat> and uh, a lot of things you can try to help. Uh, we don't do family law, of course. We do wills and trusts and taxes and legal guardianship and probate and those kinds of things. But, um, of course, we have circumstances where our families uh, come to us either as already divorced or separated couples, uh, or just like just this morning, I got an email from a client, and uh, he has uh, two children, two boys with autism. Uh, The whole family is on on ODSP as a benefit unit. He has some disabilities, very uh, completely, perfectly competent, but some physical disabilities. And his wife also has issues. And uh, I hear this morning that they're now splitting up. And, of course, the, it's an unhappy scenario for everyone. Um, as far as the uh, uh, divorce situation, you know, anecdotally, I think that there are more families who have kids with special needs that do break up. I think it's just another stress. could be anything, I suppose. But, you know, you, you can't... Um, Go to a counselor and reconcile <clears throat> the fact that you have a child with uh, with special needs, and in some cases, um, you know the the double confinement that people have had to take care of in the last uh, hundred days. Uh, especially considering that normally there might be some kind of respite, uh, personal support workers for the child, uh, trips for the child, camps, programs, special school studies after day after school programs which uh, disappeared all of a sudden. And, uh, you know, this is very stressful for everyone, but uh, more stressful than normal for my client families. Um, I think it's starting to finally come back 
into some kind of semblance of normalcy slowly. Uh, but you can understand that you know the uh, support workers and uh, physiotherapists and and so on um, naturally were concerned about themselves and their own families, and so it's been a difficult time for everyone concerned. Um, when people do split up, uh, most of the issues are the same. But if you do happen to have a family where, for example, uh, they're on ODSP or as a result of the split up, for example, a woman has uh, three children, she's married, has three children, and after the third child, after each child, she has uh, postpartum depression. Uh, but after the third child, it just never goes away. And so they split up. Uh, the children stay with the husband in the family home. Uh, she uh, leaves and goes on to ODSP. And then, uh, you know, a couple of years go by. It's finally a resolution. You know, they finally have enough time to get around to a divorce. And, of course, you have to advise the family lawyer that there's really no sense uh, in the, the husband who's taking care of the children and working, uh, providing spousal support because it would simply offset ODSP benefits. Uh, but then you get into the situation of, okay, so she'll be paid her half of the matrimonial home's value and perhaps we'll add on a lump sum in lieu of ongoing spousal support and then she has an asset which would affect her ODSP benefits and disqualify her. So then we get the call to see if we have a way of exempting these assets, which we do, so that she can, can, can hold on to the assets and also continue to receive uh, provincial disability benefits. So it's quite awkward. And perhaps that child is with her, the child with special needs. I've seen this, of course. And perhaps uh, initially they, you know, they call, uh, maybe it's the uh, support paying, child support paying parent who's calling because the child is now turning 18 and they will be receiving provincial disability benefits in their own right. Well, should this negate uh, the, the responsibilities of the, the standard formula child support based upon the, the income of the child support paying parent? Well, you would think that uh, a lot of child support paying parents would think that, yes, that if the child has their own independent means to the tune of $1,169 a month, uh, that if their support is less, which often it could be, that they shouldn't have to pay. And then on the other side of that uh, coin, uh, there may well be child support in a family situation, but what about the special Section 7 support for all of the other non-formula expenses uh, for a child with special needs, special camp, special support, special devices, all of those things that, uh, some of which, of course, would be covered under programs, uh, assistive devices, and so on. But um, I've seen uh, some very interesting negotiations around Section 7 support as well. Um, the, one of the interesting things I've always found is that, if, say you had a scenario where there was uh, uh, a mother on ODSP, the child with special needs with the mother, uh, there is child support being paid. Um, until recently, uh, ODSP offset the child support against the, the family benefit support. Uh, now it's been changed. Now, if, if you know, the uh, support that is given to the parent to help provide for the child does not offset the family unit income from the ODSP benefits. And on the other side of that coin, 
I've always found this interesting. I don't know historically why this is the case, but if it's a support-paying parent who's working, and the other parent's on ODSP and has custody of the of the perhaps young child, <clears throat> and say that child qualifies for the disability tax credit, which would reduce taxes for a tax-paying uh, parent by twenty-two hundred a year. Uh, the, ta- the 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 support-paying parent can't use the disability tax credit. It can't be transferred to that tax-paying parent. And the custodial parent may not be paying enough taxes to warrant using it. And one of these days, I'll I'll look into this further. But I, I that's just the case. I, it's very curious, in my opinion. The um, uh, the whole situation, of course, is a, a very unhappy one. Uh, the, the, the sort of anecdotal statistics from my own experience is that uh, these separations and divorces are higher uh, among families with kids with special needs. And, of course, there's a groundswell right now, I'm told, uh, by the family law bar of about 150% um, of... Uh, uh, consultations and uh, actions for separa- separation and divorce. And of course, my client families will certainly be caught up in this to a greater extent as well. So it's a very interesting scenario. Uh, my associate, Diane Verano, is uh, joining us. Uh, Diane uh, works primarily with uh, probate applications and legal guardianship applications. What else do you do, Diane? I know you do a lot of things. What else do you do? Uh, we do a lot of administrative law, so that involves, um, you know, appearing at the Social Benefits Tribunal, mostly to try and preserve our clients' ODSP benefits. I see. Well, that's very good. It's good work, don't you think? Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Would you care to talk about the effect of COVID on the process of the courts and remote filings and remote capacity assessments and those sorts of things? Yes, um, and thank you for having me today, Ken. Um, so... I mean, really, in this COVID situation, uh, you know, it's a learning experience. It's a learning experience for everyone. It's a learning experience for myself. Um, it's, it's more efficient to do something that we're used to doing. But in light of COVID, um, uh, there's practice directions that are being put out by the court. And, you know, they're changing on a monthly basis. Um, the good thing is that we can still continue and keep filing our probate applications. We can keep filing our guardianship applications. So that's not a problem. Um, we just have to incorporate uh, a virtual aspect to it now. So maybe we're emailing uh, our submissions instead of doing uh, it by paper. Um, the, the thing with being in the legal industry is that this is a very paper-heavy, very document-heavy industry. So there's a lot of signing going on. And I am finding that the that the main um, the main change in in all of this COVID emergency period is, you know, how do we get these things signed? Um, you know, a lot of our clients are people who have disabilities, who need support workers to help them execute documents, and if they're not seeing these support workers, who's going to be with them when they need to sign something? I know you mentioned this morning that. You were, uh, wanted to get uh, have a video meeting with uh, was it a, a client or a parent of a client? And 
Yes. So, uh, you know, it's uh, people are being faced with new situations. Um, so I, I do have a client who, you know, she used to live at home. Her health has deteriorated, and she's elderly. And now she's been put in the hospital. Um, her partner is also elderly, and he's been put in an in another hospital, the plan is to split them up and put them into different nursing homes. Um, she needs a new family doctor, uh, and she she cannot use a smartphone. So, you know, does a nurse have time to sit with her and, um, you know, be with her and, and watch her uh, or hold the phone maybe while she does a virtual conference to find out if she can get a, a family doctor who will assess her? And, of course, we, we have to identify these clients remotely as well. We have to prove that they are who they say they are. Yes, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting times. Have you found that, um, that, uh, that the adaptations have slowed things down or that they, they've made them possible? Uh, have, has, have there been any improvements? That's a good question. I, you know, sometimes I think I know where something is heading, and then it might change in a month. Mm. Um, but I mean, we're we're learning as we we go along as well. Um, you know, with guardianships, we do need capacity assessors to come and assess the person who's allegedly incapable. That's, you know, it's quite difficult for them to enter a nursing home if. The nursing home is rightfully practicing COVID um, uh, safety and not letting anyone in. Yeah, true enough. Eh? I, I see that um, the, the the provisions that allow us in Ontario, in each province, to do remote affidavits and uh, witnessing and so on, <clears throat> they're technically uh, temporary as far as I can see. Um, but I see recently that in British Columbia they're already uh, preparing legislation to make, oh, them, right. yes, make, them, right. make them continuous. When is when are these things supposed to expire? Now is it like July seventh or something? I think it's sometime in July. Yeah, so I have to see if they put an extension on that. Yeah, I haven't heard of any uh, legislation in Ontario, but I I find it difficult to believe that if BC brings it in, that the other provinces won't. Hmm. Well, it's a very interesting times, eh? Very interesting. Um, I mean. Tomorrow morning, I'm actually joining um, uh, a webinar to show me how to uh, to put tabs in, in an Adobe <laughs> document. So I've, I've never done that before. So I'm constantly, you know, trying to keep up with this technology. Yeah. Well, you know, we the, the, they they brought in the provisions for um, remote video uh, witnessing and affidavits and so on. Mm-hmm. But everybody's been on a stock for of video cameras for several months. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And desks. Yeah, and desks. That's right. Just check the Staples website and out of stock, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, uh, you know, I just want to <clears throat> go back to support workers. Uh, you know, children who have disabilities also, they also need a schedule. Um, yeah, so true. this is quite stressful on them yeah. as well. Yeah, they're, they're learning, they're having to adapt, but, um, uh, you know, the supports aren't there. That's true. If you have a child with autism or other um, uh, behaviors that require repetition and patterns and uh, sameness, this has been very difficult for them. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Hmm. 
Well, it's an interesting process. You know, I, I think that I'm, I'm hopeful that the, uh, uh, the, the changes that have been made rapidly here because the, of the necessity of it, uh, that they're implemented and that they're kept in place. I uh, see that as a finally dragging the, the legal profession into the 21st century. About <laughs> yes. about time, you know. Huh. Well, it's an interesting process. The um, <clears throat> on the matrim- uh, family law side, um, we'll know soon uh, if there are more divorces. Uh, we'll know soon because, of course, people will call us to get these ans- answers, and uh, <clears throat> we should maybe uh, do some outreach to the uh, family law lawyers to let them know that if they they have this type of fact scenario that they should give us a call to get advice before they make any kind of settlement. I mean, you know, as I said, the, if they come to a settlement to pay a certain amount of spousal support for someone who's on ODSP, it's a, a complete impoverishment of the, of the parent household that still has the children, for example. <clears throat> They'd be much better off to make some other arrangement. Well, I think that... Uh, We've covered those satisfactorily. Um, the um, the constant questions that we get, uh, the, you know, the uh, uh, calls and emails and uh, the people that download the, the Henson Trust ebook and the, the Legal Guardianship ebook. Uh, there's a constant flow of questions. <clears throat> uh, we're um, just recently we've uh, done a Ask the Expert uh, webcast. <clears throat> and if anyone who's watching the show would like to uh, have it sent to them, uh, we'd be glad to do that. It's a matter of, you know, each of the, the seven in the firm answering hmm, six or eight questions each over an hour, hour and a quarter. And uh, the interesting thing I've found is that as these questions are submitted, <clears throat> uh, there are little pieces of the puzzle for each of the of the client families, we can't um, uh, we can't really give a, a proper comprehensive reply, or even you know stop sort of um, making sure that people don't understand that that it isn't really legal advice until we have a, a proper picture, um, and we have the, uh, the our standard uh, family details uh, assessment information. Uh, but um, it's it's always fun to work with the uh, the families. It's always a Every day is a unique day. You get, you get up, you get come into the office, and you have a new challenge, a new family. And, of course, they're, they're similar, obviously. There's similarities. Um, but each family is different. Each one's a different picture. I would like to say that, you know, the benefit of having these webinars, people have told me, is that they can see what other mm. people's questions are. And so, you know, they may have not asked these questions about their own situation themselves. Yeah. And, and it is, it's one it's fa- sharing experience. Yeah, it's, and it's, what we find is that um, <clears throat> of the hundreds of people that register for these web, webcasts and attend, uh, a lot of them attend multiple times because even if it's the same topic, you know, like the annu- annually we might go over the same topic, you know, year, year after year, uh, see what's new. Uh, people watch multiple times because it takes time for the information to sink in. And of course, it's also a matter of over time, the child grows, the parents age, uh, situations change, divorces happen. Um, we're presently reaching out to um, a few thousand people that um, 
uh, that we've done work for over the last 24 years um, to see how their current situation is. And of course, after that kind of time has passed, uh, we're finding obviously that um, some of the parents have passed on. Uh, children are old, older, obviously. Uh, some of the children have now turned 65 and they're seniors on old age security and guaranteed income supplements. So it's just, it's just a matter of, of um, enjoying a long process like this where you get to help families as time goes by with their needs as time goes by. Uh, as far as probate is concerned, um, do you think that the uh, province will make it more difficult to avoid probate on, on assets? Uh, I think people overestimate what probate fees are, you know, but, but certainly they're only 1.5% on the estate value. But um, do you think that, the, I know that, the, that with the, uh, the new uh, estate uh, information return that came in, what was it, uh, three years ago? Where they're asking for more information, do you think they're going to become harder to harder to work with? I think they, there might be more um, information to submit. Mm. Not because it makes the probate application stronger, just because the government might be curious. <laughs> <laughs> where, where, how much have you got, and where is it? Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, that'll be very interesting. And if it wasn't actually, you know, if it wasn't so interesting, uh, life would get boring. You know, you you learn a certain thing, and then you think you know it, and uh, time goes by. And what I find, anyway, is that, you know, the things that you think are so uh, ain't so anymore. So you constantly have to update yourself and keep on track and double check things that twenty years ago were correct. Um, are they still today? Well, I guess we better find out. You know. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, the court system, the legal system is constantly evolving, especially more so during this time. Yeah. Um, but something, I mean, things have to change if we if we want to maintain that efficiency we had before the COVID uh, emergency happened. Yeah, I mean, we were getting pretty good at uh, submitting documents. <laughs> yeah. Physically. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have about uh, about five minutes left. Uh, let's see, what shall we talk about? Uh, housing. Uh, one of the upcoming uh, webcasts that we're going to do is going to deal with the uh, technology of housing. Uh, a lot of my client families, the, the, one of the big issues is the, the transition for the child as the parent ages into their own uh, housing, their own supported living, perhaps uh, uh, some residential situation. Um, I got an email from a client this morning, and uh, uh, the son is, uh, let's see, 53, born in 1967, uh, living with the mother, who is obviously a few decades older, uh, in her condominium with her, and uh, she contemplates uh, selling the condominium and moving someplace, you know, more appropriate for her, less to keep up, even in a condo. Um and she says that you know, her son is on a housing list. So, of course, I had to point out that as, as long as he's safely ensconced with her, uh, he can be on a list all he wants, but he's not getting a spot anywhere. And that what she has to do is she has to make plans, make make plan to do this transition for him and her while she's alive. 
I mean, I suppose she could wait till she passes on and let somebody else deal with it, but that's not how most families do. And uh, what she has to do is find uh, a new living residence um, and then notify the, the list managers about her son and the fact that, you know, quote-unquote, that when she sells the condo that he's going to be evicted. Um, we, have, we, you know, don't do a lot of this work, but we, we do have a category of file called uh, advanced placement so that we can help to orchestrate this transition. Um, the most interesting thing I've found recently is um, a lot of the families would like to set their children up in their own apartment um, to be semi-independent. Now, when, when we check the family details form and it says that the, the child lives independently, a lot of times that doesn't mean he lives independently. It means that the parents are renting an apartment for him and they've placed him in the apartment and they're on duty 24-7, just not resident with him. Well, technologically, uh, you can do now what you couldn't do very well 10, 10 years ago, and that is you can monitor the, the unit, you can correct the heat, you can lock the door, you can turn the TV off, you can uh, make, make sure there's no, no, nothing's on fire. Uh, the, the ability to monitor where the child lives remotely uh, has uh, been enhanced substantially over the last few years. And what this will do is it'll allow the child to perhaps more independently live on their own and, you know, to have a routine where all the bills get paid automatically and the, the kinds of things that for you and I might uh, otherwise lead to a legal guardianship application because they just can't handle money and can't manage personal care and so on. Uh, a lot of these things can be somewhat more controlled now by automatic payments, automatic deliveries, uh, remote checking checking in on them. Um, you know, there's been a lot of changes in the last few years, and this is, I think, one of the biggest ones to come along to, to assist our clients with this uh, transition. Uh, we'll be doing a special webcast just on all of that technology very soon, I think in July. Um, I know that uh, Developmental Services Ontario is running a very strong outreach campaign, uh, running uh, web seminars about uh, these topics and I'm hope hopeful to have a couple of their resource people on the, on as panelists. I think it'll be a fascinating uh, discussion and um, I hope everyone's enjoyed this show. If you have any questions, uh, feel free to uh, visit my website uh, www.kpopelaw.com or send an email to karen at kpopelaw.ca or if you're around the province, because 90% of our clients are all over the province, my toll-free number is 866-KEN-POPE. And we'd be happy to talk to you and discuss your, own, your particular situation. And with that said, thank you and speak to you next time.